Welcome to UX Curious, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of UX design across different industries. I'm your host, Christina Lutkan, and here we dive deep into the world of UX with designers who are pushing boundaries in unexpected places. Ready to join me on this adventure? Let's get UX Curious. On today's episode, I'll be talking to Katie Meganson to learn about her experience in designing for clinical trials. Hi, Katie. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Can you start by introducing yourself and sharing a bit about your background and journey into UX design, especially in the context of clinical trials? Yeah. So I actually went to school as a journalism major. I really wanted to work in magazines and be a writer and reporter. Long story short, that didn't work out for me. I didn't actually really like it once it came down to it. But I loved, always loved the design of magazines and kind of the art direction and graphic design of all of it all. So I tried to make that transition more into graphic design. It was self-teaching, was teaching myself Photoshop. I had a really great conversation with a friend who was a design director at an agency and he basically I'd said, if you're considering moving into design, it's it's worth your time to think about designing for web and mobile applications. And so he gave me a bunch of really great resources to study like UI and UX. And then that kind of led into an internship at a local agency where I live. And then from there, I had just had networked a lot, met with a lot of different people in tech. And then had had a really good friend who was working at a clinical trial startup. And so he was talking to me about it. They were looking for a product designer. Um, and so I interviewed. Uh, and that is kind of how I broke into clinical trial, the clinical trials industry. So at that startup, we were working on building out a whole ecosystem for managing clinical trials. I was working on the section that had to do with participant recruitment and the actual machinations and running of clinical trials for veterinary therapies. So this was for therapies and drugs for dogs and cats specifically. And then from there, I moved to another clinical trial and company called Science 37, where we kind of focused in on more human dermatology studies, because those were the types of studies that kind of lended themselves well to a, a remote format of clinical trial, which is what we focus, focus in on. And for our listeners who may not be familiar, can you give an overview of the clinical trials industry and its significance in healthcare? Yeah. So the clinical trial, basically, you would run a clinical trial if you have a drug or therapy that you want to be approved by the FDA. Clinical trials are typically set up in four phases that have different testing requirements that basically test any sort of drug that proves that it is safe and effective for humans to use. You know, I think notably, like with COVID and the pandemic, clinical trials became like very well known and kind of understood there. But yeah, so that, that is what clinical trials are for. 
And can you share insights into how user research is conducted in this context and how the findings influence the design process? Yeah, it varies widely based on kind of what aspect of clinical trials you're working on. So in my experience, I was mainly focused on our product area having to do with participants. So either the dog and cats owners or the actual humans participating in a trial. So that had a lot more red tape interacting with patients and participants in a trial versus, say, if you were working with a clinical research coordinator or the principal investigators who are interacting with patient participants or analyzing and scrubbing and cleaning data, that is a much easier stakeholder and user to speak to and get access to versus a participant where what we show them in a clinical trial is highly regulated, goes through a lot of a lot of uh, ethics reviews and approvals. So when you are doing things that are more participant facing, we usually have to we usually had to go through their research coordinators who are the people who are like their main point of contact within a clinical trial. So we'd either do that, and to be frank, it was quite hard to get a substantial amount of participants to get feedback and user interviews from. So in times when we were under the gun to complete projects or launch things at a certain time, we were able to leverage those clinical research coordinators because their whole job was dedicated to advocating for the participants and their needs. So they were speaking with them a lot. And so they were able to kind of relay any feedback that the participants might have had. Again, to kind of go to the other side of it, that's more like internal facing. Again, the people running the clinical trial is there's much less red tape there. There's not a lot of sensitive information there. So we're able to interface with them more easily. Actually, I do have to ask because I think it's so exciting. You've actually worked for clinical trials for both humans and pets. What was your favorite? What kind of what side are you leaning more into? Oh, I think the human side was more interesting, but not. Maybe it was more because of the nature of the work I was doing. And the nature of the company, the Science 37 was in a later stage. So the product we were working on was uh, more mature and complex. And so the product problems there were a bit more interesting versus at the startup, the veterinary startup, it was a lot of zero to one work. And who are the primary, well, we kind of learned about the primary users or stakeholders for both sides. And how do you go about understanding their needs and pain points to influence your design decisions? Yeah, I think this is probably going to have the same answer regardless of industry, but it's always talking to them, doing what you can to really get in a room with them, get them to show you how their day-to-day works, like how they go about their workflows, spending time asking them not only those more like tactical questions, but trying to get to the heart of their goals. Yeah, seeing them interact with your product and seeing where they naturally get, what's the word, (laughs) where they naturally get kind of caught up 
And I'm forgetting the question. <laughs> it was, oh, it was, that's okay. <laughs> uh, how do you go about understanding their needs and pain points? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, I think it's just always doing constant like generative research and to get feedback and then also running those feedback sessions. But yeah, I think it'd be no, no different than any other industry. Would it be, say, when you're doing your research and designs and when you're looking at stakeholders, are they patients or are they, is, is it the business or is it the people who are setting up those trials? Who are you designing for specifically? Great question. Uh, it's kind of all of them. Like, and, you know, this is contextually dependent on like what company you're at, what part of the clinical trial process you're working on. I'll speak to my experience. I worked on the product team that was specific to participant care. So we were mainly, our main stakeholders were clinical research coordinators and participants because I oversaw our like participant mobile application, which was what they used to fill out their forms in a trial. And how do you collaborate? Yeah, yeah. And how do you collaborate with them? How do you collaborate? Say, because you're technically designing and have to listen to so many different stakeholders and researchers and patients, how do you collaborate with all of them to ensure, you know, an effective user experience across the board? Do you mind repeating the question? How do I, you're asking, how do I collaborate across so many different stakeholders? Yeah. So, okay. Clinical trials involve a diverse set of professionals. How do you collaborate with researchers, doctors, patients, and other stakeholders to ensure a cohesive and effective user experience? Yeah, I think it's taking the time to to listen to them and as a part of that gleaning, as a part of that speaking their language, like learning what they mean when they say certain words getting a sense of who they interface with, like getting to know them and through conversation to kind of capture that nuance. And it's it varies differently from when you're speaking and, and the goals of an investigator and what their workflows are and what their day-to-day looks like because usually a doctor, but a principal investigator is working across multiple studies, whereas a clinical research coordinator is really only working on one study speaking with 10 to 12 participants maybe more at a time so getting all of them it it didn't happen too often where i needed to like get a bunch of different stakeholders like in one room speaking with one another but i think it's always kind of like making sure we're all aligned to the goal Mm, i can scratch that I like I'm not really answering this no, question. No, I actually well. <laughs> like the goal. What What is the goal? I, you know, I would love to know about. I mean, I feel how do, how do you formulate? You do mention that you know we're all working for for a goal. Who sets the goal in in that context, and how do you work towards it? Yeah, I think the the goals at a project level vary. Right, it can be really product design team specific like we want to redesign or refactor this these set of components that we use in the in our mobile app to maybe larger feature goals of we want to launch this 
new version of the app or launch a new form into the app. I think all of that kind of ladders up into the ultimate goal, which is making participation in a clinical trial as easy as possible. I think a lot of these companies that are trying to leverage technology as a way to participate in clinical trials are ultimately trying to get like increase participation, make it a lot easier for people who might otherwise not be able to get access to like novel therapies and drugs that might be able to really help them to kind of give more context to that. Normally you're running a clinical trial at hospital and you say you have someone who is needs to participate in the clinical trial they but they live three hours away from this one hospital that runs that trial so but they have to get their administer their drugs and fill out all their forms collect data at the hospital and they're having to do that like every week so normally you've got like a participant who is traveling three hours back and forth to the same hospital over the course of years year maybe years so with leveraging technology we are able to send nurses to that person's home. They can complete all of their forms and track their doses they've been administered for specific drugs, take um, any images they need to. All of that can be done from their home, from their phone, and anything else can kind of be sent to them. And so it makes it a lot more accessible. And so I think that mission and goal, keeping that aligned, to go back to the original question, keeping that aligned okay. across stakeholders who are really specialized in their particular role or track and part of a larger clinical trial. I think people who get into the industry altruistically like want to help people get the drugs and therapies they need that could really help them. And speaking of data, security and privacy are important, especially in healthcare. How do you address these concerns? while designing user interfaces and taking care of patients and their answers and replies and, you know, connecting all the stakeholders together? Yeah. Luckily, when working on kind of more of the, like, product and engineering side, we do a lot to make sure that we are obfuscated from sensitive data, from, like, PII or PHI. Also, anytime we speak with anyone, we make sure we get their consent, making sure we use technology that is HIPAA compliant, and then making sure that when we can, like, not to just kind of remove or redact all that data, we'll also try to, as much as we can, also get, for example, like with usability testing, trying to mirror the persona of the type of person who might be in a trial that we want to get feedback from, but trying to capture that persona and gathering other participants from, say, like usertesting.com rather than trying to go within our pool of participants specifically. And how do you measure the success of your designs? Are there specific metrics you guide yourself after? Yeah, I think Again, I feel it's a bit regardless of industry, but at any time I'm working on 
a project, it's I always kind of measure it by by on three different levels: product, team, and design. So I call it SIF, ship influence feels. So ship, like did you actually ship the thing you said you were going to ship? Pretty binary. If you didn't end up shipping the thing you said you were going to, did you at least learn something? And then influence kind of goes into team. Like this is more in terms of like soft skills. Like what, how was it working on the team? Did you collaborate well with your teammates? Did you guys learn a way that you could be more efficient? And then lastly, feels this is like, did people enjoy working with you? Did you like add good vibes to the team? Because I think who you're working with and how you work is really important. I forgot where I heard this, but someone said like 80% of product problems are people problems. And I find that totally to be true. So ensuring you have like a team that works really well together that can be really productive, I think is an important goal. So those are typically on any project I'm working on outside of industry. Um, those are metrics that I'm always kind of keeping myself accountable to. And can you share a specific example or a case study that you really enjoyed working on during your time while working for clinical trials? Yeah, so I think a really big one was we did a complete redesign of our participant mobile app, which came out of a increasing desire from not only research organizations, but like past participants in other clinical trials that we were running at, at Science 37 for what they called bring your own device. So up before this, anytime we had a participant in a clinical trial, they like anytime they would sign up, we would send them a provision device that had basically nothing on it. It was just an iPhone and it just had our app on it. So and then so it, people had to carry around two phones, like their personal phone and like their clinical trial research phone to complete forms and submit data. So what we wanted to do was submit an app to the App Store and the Google Play Store that was essentially our mobile app for participants so that they could have it on their own personal device. The term at the time was called BYD, bring your own device to a trial. So me and my team, we kind of scrapped the old app altogether, built a new one on Flutter so that it could work cross platform. And we completely redesigned the way our forms were designed, considering accessibility, you know, like increasing tap target sizes, like supporting dynamic text sizing. Excuse me. We another uh, another bit of context. There's like a bunch of different like specific forms and specific questions that get asked in clinical trials. So we did a lot to support these what were called EPROs, which were patient reported outcomes. A fancy word for like special scale on this like special scale question answer and. By the end of that project, we had a f seen improvements on the business side and on the user experience side. 
we had saw like an increase in sentiment on our MPS score that people, it was people had found anecdotally, like it was much easier to use the new app. We saw an increase in usage. It also, because we were now supporting for participants to be able to download the app on their own phone, we were able to make participating in our clinical trials way more accessible. Um, and it kind of opened the door for us to be able to run a lot more clinical trials by other research organizations. And can uh, you can you share any specific lessons that you've learned from working in this industry and something that maybe you carried with you for the course of your career, even to today? Yeah, I think I had mentioned this earlier in terms of product problems or people problems. I think on the outside looking in before I started working clinical trials, it felt like a really complex, esoteric industry. And to a degree, there's a lot of that. But I think a lot of those problems really can be like good people solve problems, people who are passionate about what they do. And so I had worked on teams that were not that productive and I worked on teams that were really productive. And so I think regardless of industry, making sure that there was cohesion and good collaboration in any team and we were able to like ship way faster and ship way more. Yeah, so I think that's kind of the biggest lesson I learned that kind of no matter how complex an industry or the pro like maybe a specific industry problems that we were solving, it all comes down to the people. People. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you envision the future of UX design evolving within the context of clinical trials, especially with technological advancements and changing healthcare landscape? Yeah. I feel like the obvious answer is AI. It's going to be really interesting to see how these different clinical trial companies leverage AI to like, manage a lot of data and being able to analyze and, and gain insights faster. I think there's a lot of like process that can be more efficient. So that will be really interesting to see. Do you do you think this can be seen as a challenge for designers? And you know, when we're talking about technological advancements, how can they be prepared for for the changes that are coming? Yeah, I think regardless of what you might think about AI, I think it's in our future. So I think designers wanting to break into the design field or break into the clinical trials industry, like it's important to have technical literacy on how AI works, how you can interact with it in your day-to-day. -day. I think that is a could be a challenge for designers and, and one I think that we all need to tackle. And to that, actually, now that you're talking about designers kind of joining this industry, what advice would you give to aspiring UX designers who are interested in working in healthcare or, you know, even in the clinical trials domain? Is there, is there, I'm assuming, is there something that, you know, it's not like stay out, but more like 
do you want them to, from your experience, are they, is it a good industry to be in or is it something for them to consider more before choosing to, to go in? Yeah, I think it's a super interesting field. I feel like I learned a lot. And I think if I had advice for someone wanting to get into clinical trials, I think it's don't be afraid to ask dumb questions. I think it's been an industry that's been around for a long time. So there's a lot of terms that are used and there's a lot of semantics, right? Like they say form, but that doesn't actually mean the way that we understand forms and software. Um, So like, don't ever be afraid to ask dumb questions. Make sure you talk to everyone. Kind of like we mentioned, there's so many different stakeholders that have such specialized roles. Like make sure you talk to everyone to really gain like a holistic picture of how they all kind of, how all of these roles cross paths. How do they work together? And then how does it, kind of all work toward the ultimate goal of of completing a clinical trial oh Oh, go ahead no no go ahead go ahead but actually i don't think i had anything else to add so (laughs) okay so actually i have the last question to wrap up is there and i think you you did mention but you know is there anything else you'd like to share or you'd like to add or you know tell our listeners or any key takeaways you'd like to leave them with regarding UX design in the clinical trials industry? Yeah, I think, you know, regardless of industry, like never stop working on your craft. Never stop being nice to people. Like don't burn bridges. You never know where your next role or where your next step in your career could come from. And tech is so rapidly moving and changing and evolving all the time so staying up to date and always kind of staying up to date on what's going on in the industry is always going to be to your benefit these are all my questions thank you so much katie i've enjoyed learning about this fascinating industry and again i'm really fascinated that we talked both about you know clinical trials for humans and clinical trials for pets i actually didn't even consider you know clinical trials for pets. I mean, so I think it was very insightful, very interesting. And, you know, if we can inspire other designers to maybe try a new path in their career, I think it would be a very fascinating industry to to check out. So thank you so much for, for sharing all your insights with us today. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so I'm going to stop. That wraps up today's episode of the UX Curious Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and remember to subscribe for more exciting discussions about UX in various industries. See you next time. And as usual, stay UX curious.